my fears are more surrounded about uh, marriage being a mirror. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Just like, I, th- I think I've heard so many people say like, yeah, I thought I was doing pretty good. And then I got married and I realized how selfish I was. Yeah. And then I became a parent and realized I was even more selfish than I thought I was when I was married. And mm. I'm pretty nervous about fine. So the general overarching is what am I going to find in myself that I know is I think is small, might be big or I had no idea was there. Hello and welcome to The Naked Gospel, where we re-envision together what it looks like to follow Jesus and to know him with our bodies, with our emotions, with our relationships, and particularly with our sexuality. Uh, Because the counter-image to pornography and hookup culture will always be a naked man dying on a cross. Uh, So last week, well, I'm Shane O'Neill. Last week we did something unique uh, where uh, me and my fiance, Kaylee, um, shared with you some of our reflections, some of our faults and failures and stumblings as we've tried to figure out dating. We are due to wed. We are due to get married in a a few weeks. Uh, And so we wanted to look back with you in real time, um, not years from now, but literally just days, weeks, and months away from some of the events, some of the failures that we were able to talk through, and some of the things that we've been able to learn. Uh, You guys responded really favorably to that, and so we wanted to come back and have just a follow-up conversation. Instead of looking back, but looking forward, um, marriage is right around the corner, and we don't want, again, we don't want to speak about it with distance. We want to look at it in real time and say, like, these are the things we're scared of. Uh, These are the things that we're frightened of. These are the hopes that we have. These are the things we're excited about giving to one another, so on and so forth, because while we want to do relationship and processing uh, in public. And Jesus changes people in the light. Uh, His way is the way of vulnerability. And so we just wanted to be transparent with you guys. Um, Thank you for the feedback that we've been able to get. Um, As you continue to have thoughts, leave them in the comments below. We do respond to that. We do adjust, uh, I don't know, our orientation based off of y'all's comments and thoughts. So we're just really thankful. I am typically the host, but if you were with us last week, then you know that Kale Baker yes. uh, was subbing in as the host. Uh, so we're going to do that again. Thank you again for joining us. And if you found this conversation to be profitable, please share it with someone you think would benefit from it. And uh, that is the end of my hosting job for this episode. Yo, yo, hello. My name is Kale Baker, Kale David Baker, and I am going to host today again. And I'm really excited to host today. Um, for one big reason, uh, we're going to talk about fears moving forward. And the reason I'm excited to talk about that is because a lot of times, at least the story that I was told was you date and you figure everything out. And then when you get engaged, you better know that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, and you better not be afraid anymore. Mm. Um, otherwise you should question whether or not you get married and that's just not okay. It's not okay to have those fears. Mm. And so when I was engaged, um, I was still pretty afraid. And even the morning of my wedding, I woke up and I didn't sleep well because (laughs) of everything. And one of those things was fear. Um, And I just didn't expect that. And I don't think the cultural narrative that I received told me that you're still going to be afraid. And so I'm excited to talk to you guys about fears, even in the midst of engagement. Um, And so let's start with a question. Pretty vague, pretty broad. But as you guys are moving forward into marriage in a few weeks... What are you most afraid of? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's 
<laughs> a very <laughs> present question. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, we've been able to ask each other that, ask ourselves that question. Um, so we'll try and be as honest with you guys as we can because that's probably a, a little bit more honest of a way to live. So hmm. um, how do you want to do this, babe? You want to go first or me? <laughs> I, go ahead. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, two things jump out from your question when it comes to fears as I look forward. It's actually one, uh, I did spend, let's see. So two things are startlesome. One, uh, friends who I know uh, practice premarital sex or hmm. pursued pornography, whatever. It seemed like they had very strong and healthy libidos, but then they'd get married. Hmm. And then all of a sudden sex would start to dwindle because... Uh, sex with someone actually costs you something, whereas pornography doesn't cost you anything. Or when you're jumping from partner to partner, it doesn't cost you anything. It's just pleasure on tap. Um, I'm concerned about that. I, 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 I'm concerned about that because a lot of my sex education has been from pornography, whether I know that or not. I, I know that my expectations and standards for myself and for, for Kaylee have been shaped by pornography. And I want to... I don't want to assume that I'm above that or I'm beyond it. So there's that. Like I, I, I've been startled by that, and I'm scared. I'm scared that all of a sudden the cost of sex will put me off to sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is um, when it comes to erectile dysfunction, they don't even really call it that anymore. They call it porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And something like a third of men have it. Um, but most men don't know that they have it because they're still watching pornography. So just because you can, you know, your your bio awareness allows you to get off to pornography doesn't mean all of a sudden you won't have issues when you're actually performing uh, because it's a totally different narrative. Uh, so there's some concern there, some concern about what does it look like to physically perform and has pornography impacted me in that way uh because i want to give well i want to give kaylee i want to give my wife something true something that responds to the beauty that i see uh Hmm. as opposed to just malfunctions Hmm. um because i don't want her to have that story so that's a fear that's a fear that i have uh those two Mm -hmm. especially yeah um i think uh, so along kind of the same lo- along the same lines of him saying, you know, I hear about these stories of my friends who had a libido and then they get married and then all of a sudden there's they're, they don't really have the desire to have sex. And I can start a lot of arguments. I've heard that mm. in marriages, too. Um, I think I also heard a story from a friend who, you know, they I was with her through her dating life and Shane and I were actually dating during her dating life. And. You know, they were. We were discussing how challenging it was to keep physical boundaries in our mm-hmm. dating relationship, and then now I, you know, I hear of them saying like, actually, sex is painful, and we don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really want to do it a whole lot, and I'm not really ever in the mood or things like that, and I'm just like, oh man, like, I really hope that doesn't happen to us. Like in my head, I'm not planning for that to happen for us. Obviously, I'm not sure who does. Yeah. But I also don't want to be think that I'm the exception to the rule, that we're the exception to the rule. Um, like we talked about last time, we have had trouble with keeping boundaries. Yeah. And I don't want the boundaries... I don't want that excitement and mm-hmm. 
the joy of it to go away just because we're married and all of a sudden it's allowed is it like i only like this because it's not allowed like oh that's a bad narrative like that's not okay i don't want that um and then kind of on that same in the same vein like being afraid of because we have cross boundaries that should evoke some sort of guilt in me. Like I've crossed mm-hmm. a line that I shouldn't have crossed. I went where I shouldn't go. I opened something I shouldn't have yet um, in certain ways. And so my response with physical, my automatic response is to kind of feel a little bit of guilt and be like, oh, like should we have done that? Shouldn't we have done that? Like it felt good. I, I feel bad that it felt good when I shouldn't have been doing it. And so I'm nervous that, on our honeymoon and like moving forward it's going to be a pretty hard narrative for me to untangle like I am we are we should be engaging in these kinds of intimate react intimate relationships intimate things Mm -hmm. but then being worried that like I'm going to feel bad about it Mm -hmm. and I don't like Mm -hmm. I don't want that and I think I recognized that a little a while ago in our dating relationship and that's kind of when I put I, we both kind of put our foot down. I was like, can we just stop? Like, mm. we're getting married in like two or three months. Like, can we really just not wait? Mm. Because I noticed I was having that and I was scared of that narrative following into into marriage. So I'm, I'm scared of that. And I think the obvious, like, I'm scared that things are going to hurt. Yeah. Like, mm. and I don't, I'm excited. I am genuinely excited about sex, but also I don't want to be so disillusioned that like, I'm, I'm so excited and it only hurts mm. or mostly hurts. And mm. it's like, ah, oh, like, I don't know how to, yeah, yeah, just nervous about that. Mm. And I guess maybe kind of along the same lines of the guilt thing, um, I think maybe kind of like there is being, being a virgin, I guess, is a part of my identity. So I am a virgin and I think that is like somewhat, I, I think of it as highly esteemed. I don't know if that's still highly esteemed. It's maybe odd these days. But you I'm take sure. pride in that. Yeah, but I do take pride in it. And yeah. I don't think it's something that's like I accidentally ended up a virgin in my on my wedding bed. Mm. My wedding bed. I don't think that happened. So I think that's something that like Jesus and I have built together. Yeah. And so learning what does it look like to build with Jesus a holy sexual life as opposed to mm. Holy abstinence. Holy abstinence. Mm. And neither, I think both are pure. Mm. So building a different kind of purity. Mm. But I am worried like, well, I have, I, that is a part of my identity. Like I am still a virgin. Like not like, oh, I've made it, but oh my goodness. Like by the grace of God, like we've worked on this together and I have been able to be obedient to that, Mm. that command. So worried about that kind of shift in identity. Because all of a sudden, in one night, you're supposed to just give away what you've held on to for 27 <laughs> for years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for years. Multiple and it's, decades. It's mind-boggling how I, I still don't understand how God's like, okay, don't do it then. But then when you make these vows, then go ahead and do it all the time. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. I don't, that doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the mystery. Yeah, the yeah. The nuance of it. For sure. And there, there is, it's weird because within purity culture, something that we all grew up within and have allergies towards in some regards, mm-hmm. there is a narrative that says abstain, abstain, abstain. And then it's like covenant is an open door into a whole new mm-hmm. sexual utopia. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it is relationship, it is holy and it's sacred. And I like the way that you talk about bearing your virginity into marriage in such a way that it was a holy virginity and it's going to be a holy sex and mm-hmm. both of those things are good mm-hmm. um and the, yeah the question i'll start with a question for 
both of you, unless you would like to add something first. I just wanted to say something yeah. right quick. Um, there's a couple, Tracy and Dominic, who have been uh, yeah. a big brother and a big sister to us relationally. Um, and they've allowed for very candid conversations around this topic. Yeah. So we've been able to really, uh, at least conceptually, explore sex in community um, <laughs> with total holiness around the conversation. There's nothing, yeah. been nothing lewd about it. Yeah. But also, you know, this idea that something is so sacred that we can't ever talk about it doesn't really help anyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they've just been awesome, big brother and big sisters in our lives and our relationships. Um, but mm-hmm. Dominic's been especially helpful for me with that when it comes to, like, this idea, well, so Alistair Roberts and Dominic kind of coupled together, this idea that that the honeymoon is seen as this kind of Olympic event where you finally mm-hmm. get to just tear into each other yeah. isn't a very helpful narrative because it wouldn't be true if everyone were virgins because like if you were a virgin it's like the first time somebody's seeing you naked mm. you know and you'd fumble around and it would be really quick and you'd it, it would mm. be literally the the honeymoon would really be the time set apart for you to try and figure things out to play and to explore mm. and it's like it, it's a it's almost a kindness period mm. um, as opposed to this Olympic period <laughs> Yeah, uh, and Dom- something to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like about who lasts longest at that level. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, she sees me naked. You know, it's like you're <laughs> yeah. just play. scared and it's yeah, play. yeah. It's yeah. it's a courtesy that's given by God to let you just have some space to explore and be vulnerable with one another. Yeah. Um, and so Dominic's been helpful with with the language of 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 uh, open that gift slowly. Hmm. You know, like like you don't have to get, you know, wasted on your wedding day and then just start tearing into each other that night. And it doesn't last. It it doesn't stop for another week. You know, Hmm. it's like, no, like like what you do that night is up to you. Uh, But talk about it. Talk about what you're comfortable with. You are opening a gift and the best gifts are opened gingerly, opened with intentionality as opposed to just ripped apart. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's been helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's reconditioned my understanding and my imagination about what it looks like to try and catch the gift that Kaylee is trying to give to me. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to say that before we move. Too far. No, I like that metaphor a lot. It's almost, uh, in some regards, I think it is a gift you never stop opening mm-hmm. for both of you because uh, sex is the physical manifestation of your marriage. I like what Matt Fried said one time, I think on this podcast, actually, he said, you, you say on your wedding night with your body, what you say with your words on your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that a lot because you, yeah, you're saying I am making covenant with you mm-hmm. with your actions, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I really love the idea of the honeymoon as practice mm-hmm. instead of as <laughs> The Olympic, yeah, the Olympic whatever. Yeah. And you um, haven't even trained. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's so true. Ideally, you haven't trained, right. yeah. you know? Yeah, and with that, I, I do think that, uh, I'm curious, because there is a weird sort of balance with the virginity stuff. It is mm-hmm. a word that we mentioned last time. There's almost an allergy to it of like, oh, you're a virgin. You have 40-year-old virgin. That's clearly a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a comedic movie. And mm-hmm. so it isn't something that's held in high regard anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like how – you touched on this a little bit. Like how have you guys processed through unwrapping that gift together? I know you just mentioned – 
doing that in community with Dom and with Alistair Roberts, but what other opportunities have you guys had to unpack that gift or plan for unpacking that gift within community? Because mm-hmm. sex in community isn't really something that anybody talks about because that's quote unquote obscene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how do, how do you practice sex in community moving forward? I, um, uh, let's see. It's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. So my sister and brother-in-law, yeah. uh, they've been married for a bunch and bunch of years. They've got three kids. They are amazing parents. When I think of parents that I want to be, I think of them. Yeah. When I think of a marriage that I want to model mine after, I think of theirs. They they got married and their first year was real rough. Um, I think they thought that sex in some way would save them, which is probably a story most of us have. Mm. And don't realize. Yeah. Even I have, I know many people who are even like still watching pornography and believing that it'll, that, that problem will go away once they get married because they'll have sex. Mm. Um, so they believe that it'll save them from that. And so there's just a bunch of different stories that we have about how sex will save us with intimacy and I'll finally be known and all sorts of things. But sex is very difficult and it's hard and it takes, it takes communication and it's messy. Um, and, no one really told them that. Mm-hmm. You know, no one told my sister and brother-in-law that. And they've been very honest about their story. So they are mm-hmm. try They try and be a resource to people they love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did this really cool thing with us. You want to tell them about it? Yeah. So she put together – well, I guess they together did. they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Together they put kind of like a engaging sex with all of your senses kind of thing Mm. so like even some of it had to do with humor honeymoon sex go pack yeah yeah Yeah. so you know it had practical things like um a specific lubricant that they've they've tried lots of different kinds of lubricants so they were like this is what we found that works may not be your thing but this is the best we got to recommend right it's ethical there's no sort of plastic in yeah it. it's and natural it's natural yeah and it's not gonna it's never it does it doesn't cause rashes those mm. sorts of things so yeah really researched it yeah yeah so they and then there was some essential oils that they put together like uh scents have a lot to do with being erotic Aphrodisiacs. uh like really remembering scents are a trigger for remembrance mm. so like yeah. trying to introduce That's some good. of that stuff on the honeymoon That's really good. um they had like the dice game, like humor. They had like a dice game in there, like a card game in there to just mm-hmm. like, okay, like it's gonna be awkward, but just like if it's a game, you can just yeah. be silly and yeah. literal as play. play. Yeah, yeah. sex is yeah. play. Yeah. Um, and then they asked us, you know, what questions do you have? And so I think we talked through actually some of the questions that we just said, like some of our fears. Yeah. Um, and gave us the space to, I don't think they really gave us answers. I think they just helped us think through it in a different way which was like which was good and then also they're like yeah so we're on speed dial if you need us if you don't don't call us if you do call us three times it's fine if you want to talk to one of us if you want to talk to both of us Mm. like that's totally fine Mm. um and so that was that was good and we were able to talk about how do we communicate because it is this that was one of my big questions how do i communicate um Mm -hmm. and so even as you're asking how do we talk about sex and community yeah, how do I communicate? Like, I know you're trying to, like, give me something that is pleasurable and kind, but actually that kind of hurt. Or mm. I'm realizing as I'm learning my body and you're learning my body, slow is better than quick or quick is better than slow. And so how do you communicate those things? When do you communicate those things? Do you communicate them in the moment? Yeah. And and also, how, do, how am I going to receive that feedback? I do want to be open to feedback, but also... 
it, it's like that intimate space where it's not just like, oh, instead of putting pepper jack cheese on your sandwich, can you put Colby on my sandwich? It's mm. not that. It's mm. not that at all. It's mm. it is communication, yeah. but it's just way deeper than that. Mm. And so how do we so we're communicating in community about how to communicate about sex with one another, mm. I think is a big thing that and even with Tracy and Dominic. I've talked with Tracy about how to communicate things, um, mm. what her experience has been, some of the things that they believe about themselves in the bedroom, narratives mm. that they have that they didn't realize they had until after they were married, um, continuing to just have like dinners together, coffees together, and just be open mm. about it. Mm-hmm. In other words, we've been fortunate to have some really baller relationships. Yeah, uh, for some sure. Older brothers and older sisters. For sure. We that didn't happen by accident. We did have to to find them. Yeah. Um, and that was a part of yeah. our relationship early on. Who are couples that we look up to, that we can pursue and spend once once a month with. You know, and so we found mm-hmm. a few couples like that, and we pursued them, and that's been. Something I'm really quite proud of when it comes to our relationship is something we did. We did right. We did mm-hmm. something right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did that. I and mean, we did it really well. Um, and these are people who will walk into marriage with us. It's not all of a sudden, oh, peace, you know, like, hey, we're getting married now. We'll have it all out. figured out. And like, yeah, mm. it's not like that. Um, and so that's that's cool. And a lot of these couples are in direct contradiction to purity culture. They read Josh, Joshua Harris's books hmm. growing up. They influenced them in like youth groups, uh, pastors. Mm-hmm. They preached that kind of sexual ethic. And mm-hmm. and a lot of them were disillusioned by it when they first got married. And so mm-hmm. they had to do the hard work that Kaylee and I are able to inherit. And that's really mm-hmm. what it is. The that There's that verse in Hebrews I love. It's something, it's something like... Consider those who first spoke to you the word of truth. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So it's really beautiful, that exhortation to find older brothers and older sisters, Absolutely. mothers and fathers. And mm-hmm. we've been fortunate to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of those couples went into marriage having already slept together. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. they've had they've had the experience of not judging us for our, because mm-hmm. they were better than us before. Like, they're not judging us for the mistakes we're making where we can just openly talk about them, have candid conversations, but also openly talk about them. Yeah. So, yeah. Helpful. No, I like that. I, I like what I think you said. You said that somebody said that within sex, there is a lot of emotion and there's a lot of vulnerability there. And I think that sex in general has, yeah, you were saying the Dom and Tracy, there were things that came up in the bedroom that they didn't even know narratives. Mm-hmm. That they didn't even know. And I think that sex has the, capacity to amplify those things Mm -hmm. because it is so vulnerable Mm -hmm. uh and within that it it amplifies the negative narratives that we have but i think it also amplifies the things that are positive Mm -hmm. about our relationships like if we are Mm -hmm. good at laughing together then you're probably going to be pretty good at laughing together in the bedroom Mm -hmm. uh if you're not good at fighting about this specific thing then you're probably going to be worse at it in the bedroom Mm -hmm. um and so it is it's exciting and scary all at the same Mm -hmm. time and so i yeah, using that as a transition point, uh, sex amplifying different things about the relationship. There is the, okay, it's going to amplify these narratives that you may or may not know that you have, mm. uh, but it's also going to amplify these really positive things. And so within that, there's excitement and sex is exciting. So mm. within that, uh, the, I guess, inverse of the question, what are you afraid of? The positive, like, what are you excited about? Mm. First off, thanks for saying that. Yeah. I don't know why I got a bit misty-eyed when you said it. It's very hope-giving. Mm. Um, so 
I think we're both pretty fragile because <laughs> I think we're, uh, we're we're scared pissless. Like it is, it is every a time we see one another, thing, we're yeah. like, "This is scary. What, <laughs> what are we dude? doing?" Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday about the the how ludicrous it is that you spend a year together and then you you say after that year, I have enough data to decide that <laughs> I will spend every other year with you for the rest of my life, and I will make a vow. And it's like, yeah. the math on that is dumb. You know, it's just <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And yeah. then here we are doing it. You know, it's like, well, it's, oh, man, it's crazy. So uh, <laughs> your words are, are life-giving. Yeah, yeah, there are. And yeah. that's, that's one of them that you just said. And I think that that's one of the things in preparation that we were talking about this that Kaylee brought up of fr- friendship when it comes to... Can you phrase your question one more time? Can you phrase it one more time? Yeah, it's simply put, what are you excited about mm-hmm. with sex? Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, kind of like what you were just saying, like what happens in the bedroom is kind of happens outside of life too. Like those things mm-hmm. bleed into one another. There aren't mm-hmm. like separate things. Um, and so giving friendship, like I'm so excited to give him friendship. I'm excited to get his friendship too. Yeah. But like I'm so excited to give him friendship for the rest of our lives, yeah. you know? Um, and of course, with that friendship, because we'll be married, we will be lovers. There's a verse, I, it's really cool, I found it, um, everybody always uses that I found the one whom I love hmm. um, from Song, Song of Solomon. Solomon. But there is actually a verse that says, this is my lover and this is my friend. Hmm. And I love that so much. I think yeah. I came into our relationship thinking like, well, we're just good friends and hmm. then we'll sleep together. Hmm. And Shane's like, actually, maybe maybe you should incorporate the idea of lovers. Like, yes, we're friends, but aren't we actually lovers? And I was like, okay, well, maybe we're lovers, but we're more than that, we're friends. And then, hmm. so now I think they've leveled out quite a bit for me. That's really cool. So I'm excited about being lovers and friends. So that's bedroom and not bedroom. But I think it's not just we're only lovers in the bedroom. Again, going back to play, we are friends in the bedroom too. Um, so I'm excited to give that in marriage and in the marriage bed. Hmm. There's um, um and I think that's important because most most scripts, uh, cultural scripts, are that marriage is just about being lovers, mm-hmm. um, and so establishing a good friendship. And that was very meaningful for me to hear from Kaylee that she's excited about giving me friendship. I thought that that was a very endearing and precious thing. It is a precious mm-hmm. thing to want to give. It's like I know I see your depression, you know, mm-hmm. I see your anxiety, I see how you struggle. I see the way you live and I'm just really excited because I think I can be a really baller friend to you, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm excited to be a friend to you for the rest of your life. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's, that's tender, you yeah. know, so this is really cool. Uh, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched about on this a little bit last time as well, but giving, there was the hesitation a couple of months ago and there were lots of questions and even some anger about, well, you're not a virgin and I am, mm. but I am excited to, and this, this came up as we were talking to prepare. I don't, I hate the idea. Maybe this is like with, which doesn't make any sense, but with purity culture where it's like you lose your virginity. It's mm. like, well, wait a minute. Like, I mean, like, unfortunately you can lose your virginity in really sad, hard yeah. situations. That is, you can actually lose your virginity. But I don't want to associate that with like on my wedding night, I lost my virginity. Yeah. Like I'm actually intentionally, like I said, I think Jesus and I have cultivated my 
virginity. And so I, again, I'm going to cultivate in the marriage bed my virginity by giving that to him. So I am excited to give him my virginity in the same way. Well, Hmm. yeah, I'm excited to give him my body. I think I'm mostly convinced that you like my body, not because of anything you've done, but like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just like I have my own insecurities, you know, so like I'm insecure about specific parts of my body. How could you like those? You know? Hmm. So like, but I am excited to give you my body, you know? Yeah. Um, I do. I I have no idea how to respond right now. <laughs> <laughs> officially baffled me. You know? Well, it's just you know my own insecurities. Sure. You know, so sure. if you don't like something about yourself, how could anyone else like that about you? For sure. You know, I'm that, sure that I have a few of those myself. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited to give you my body. Cool. I am excited to receive mm-hmm. your body. Um, <laughs> I am. Uh, I. I'm excited to give uh, vows. When I look at the wedding day, the thing that I'm most scared of are the vows uh, because you are laying the the paradigm of forever, at least as this, as this life is concerned. Um, so the cost of every single word is, uh, is your life. Hmm. Um, and you effectively die at that point. I was... I was emailing someone and uh, I told him that I was scared to get married. And then he said, uh, he said, Shane, um, no man survives marriage. And that's the point. Uh, <laughs> like, Thank you for that sympathy, Chesterton. Yeah. Um, but he was right. And he's right. And it, it is a beautiful, uh, those are beautiful words. And it, it's true. Uh, so I feel the cost. I feel the price tag of those words. And they terrify me. Um, but I'm also, I want to give them, obviously I'm still, I'm still moving forward to that great and terrible day. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm excited to give Kaylee forever. I've never been with somebody forever. Hmm. So that's an, that's interesting. I've never given someone, someone forever the rest of my life. I've been in relationships and with shame, I say I've given other women my body, but I've never given anyone forever. Uh, so that's that's something I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And then this is something we touched on last time is I, I'm pretty excited to give Kaylee um, my family and my mm-hmm. friends um, to be celebrated by the people who love me the most. And then for her to inherit that love is mm-hmm. uh, this is amazing. I don't have I don't have words or language for the how much honor I feel from that. Uh, so those so those are some of the things that I'm I'm most excited for. I'm most excited about giving to you, and uh, yeah, cool. I dig it. Hello, Shane here. I wanted to take a moment and let you guys know about a new resource that we created for you. It's a kind of a sexual integrity assessment, and I really have found great benefit from it. I I very much dislike the kinds of assessments that make you uh, ask and answer 200 questions. It makes me doubt myself and I get all sorts of confused. And this assessment only has something like 20 questions versus the 200. Uh, It's entirely confidential. And the benefit to an assessment like this is that we can't fight a nameless, formless ghost. Uh, And it gives name and form to the unwanted sexual behavior in our life so that we can start to know healing and start to know real redemption in our lives. And of course, uh, it doesn't just leave you there, it creates uh, a load of options afterwards uh, for you to move forward to know how to continue 
on your path of healing. So I recommend it for those reasons. And of course, options are given afterwards for what it looks like to move forward and to continue to find healing uh, and to know wholeness. Um, so look for those. It's a huge resource, huge benefit. And the resource is two-pronged. If you're struggling, then this resource exists for you. And for those who have already gotten some ways down on the journey of healing, uh, there's a way to actually give back and to be present to those who are struggling to take the gift of redemption in your own life and start to give it to other people. The link will be down below. It will be right under the description. I'll make it the first link in the show notes. So do check that out and let's go ahead and get back to the interview. So we've kind of transitioned from fears about sex to excitement about sex to excitement about forever. You've mentioned that idea. And with the idea of forever, you have the idea of covenant. And I know for me, covenant can be one of the most freeing things in the world, but also one of the most terrifying and suffocating things in the world. Because with covenant, you have this idea of parameters and parameters give freedom. Uh, I think like laws and seatbelts, seatbelts might save your life. Um, but they are also parameters. Mm. And so with parameters, there's the propensity mm. to suffocate because mm. it rubs against our idea of freedom mm. of um, we can do whatever we want mm. uh, whenever we want, it, especially in singleness mm. and now moving into marriage. Autonomy. Um, yeah. yeah, autonomy, mm. all that good stuff, mm. good stuff. <laughs> um, and so with that, you've talked a little bit about excitements for Covenant. Mm. I'm excited to give Kaylee my family. I'm excited to give my body, all these sorts of things. I'm mm. excited to give forever. Mm. Um, but... The question put shortly, what are some of your biggest fears moving forward into covenant? Mm. Yeah, uh, I have a, a, a host of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I am. D- 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 um, yeah, there's a host of them. I'm, I'm building off of what I said a few minutes ago. Um, the cost of the cost of marriage frightens mm. me. Uh, <laughs> it it does. It uh, demands that we die. There's a lot of individualism that's been indoctrinated into the ways that I think. Yeah. And so to be held accountable and to be accountable to another person, um, for whatever reason, for a whole host of reasons, rubs against my sense of being human, even. Um, I think more maybe to the, the, the points of your question, I am, I have sort of like, ve- like very tangible fears, like, um, like falling back into pornography again mm. or cheating on Kaylee, you know, like these sorts of things are terrifying thoughts. Um, and I have asked around, uh, and it doesn't seem like other guys necessarily have those fears who are married when it comes to like, I've asked those straight up, like, have you, are you ever scared of cheating on your wife? And to hear them say N- like, no, you know, and it's like, Oh, it's like, that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't want to assume that my heart is better. I've seen things in my heart that, um, that constantly shock me. You know, and so just mm. continuing to live in the light with those fears, even if other people don't experience them, I want to be candid about them because Kaylee is worth being real with and she's worth yeah. having and she's worth having rightly. Uh, <clears throat> so being as honest about those things as I can be is, is worth it to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with 
the Robbie Zacharias. We did an episode yeah. on that um, a few weeks back. And it's like the the life that he had is a fantasy that a lot of people have had. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have fantasized. They fantasize about uh, getting sexual favors from masseuses, you yeah. know, like during a massage. And so like, he built up that fantasy. He was a silent partner in multiple massage parlors, a uh, silent partner in multiple massage parlors and would get sexual favors from them. And he lived his life that way. And that's a huge genre on pornography. I mean, millions of people every day go and mm. live in that fantasy. Uh, so I, I don't want to be, I don't want to criticize him for something I've fantasized about before. Like I've seen that stuff in my heart. It's only lived there for, you know, like a microcosm of how he lived his entire life. It's just a, a nanosecond in comparison, but nonetheless, I want to be real about those things. So those are some, so those are some real fears sure. that I have. And yeah. I think my fears are more surrounded about uh, marriage being a mirror. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Just like, I, th- I think I've heard so many people say like, yeah, I thought I was doing pretty good. And then I got married and I realized how selfish I was. Yeah. And then I became a parent and realized I was even more selfish than I thought I was when I was married. And Mm. I'm pretty nervous about fine. So the general overarching is what am I going to find in myself that I know is, I think is small, might be big, or I had no idea was there. Um, Then I think too, it's kind of plays out in two specific ways. One is a little bit more maybe real than the other, or maybe more, yeah, maybe more real. I'm not sure what the best word is, but I think I'm pretty afraid of like manipulating him Mm. like on purpose I think I, I think I, I think I've seen myself do that in our relationship already, and so I've been able to recognize like, oh, I was manipulating him on purpose. But I also think I've been able to look back and be like, oh, I think I was, I think I was manipulating him there mm. on accident. And so, and I see, I see women do that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to think that it, like kind of like with him, like I don't want to think that I'm an exception to that. Right. Um, so I'm pretty nervous about that. I don't want him to become small and just a robot that I'm manipulating and mm. becoming more selfish. Like that's not the goal of marriage. You're supposed to iron sharpens iron. And if I'm manipulating him and I just, yeah, I'm nervous about that. Yeah. Manipulating in a lot of different ways. And then I think maybe this has to do with, cause I work in the emergency department, but I just, you know, people, well, it's the emergency department. It's usually not the best day of people's lives. One of the worst yeah. day of people's lives. So people are coming in and they're finding out they have lupus. Hmm. People are coming in and finding out that they've been diagnosed with schizophrenia or uh, bipolar or they're in the hospital for the 18th time literally in the past year because they can't control the schizophrenia or the it's gotten worse or the hmm. bipolar. And it's like... What if, like, what if that happened? Like, people in their late 20s, they get diagnosed with that. And, like, that's where I am. That's where, you know. So, and then, or, like, what if our kids end up having that or autism? And I'm afraid of what those circumstances would do to me. Would, like, would they turn me into a monster? And if I'm turned into a monster, that's going to affect him the most. And I don't want to hurt him in that way. I don't mm-hmm. want to be, if I don't like who I am, I don't want to share that with other people. And because we're married and we're and we're one, like I don't have a choice whether or not I share that. I will share that, and so just worried about the fearful about what kind of commitment is life. This covenant is lifelong, and life has got curveballs. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even as far as like, what if we get into a car crash and he ends up losing a leg, or I lose? I don't know. I hit a. I get head. 
I hit my head mm. and I have head trauma, head trauma like brain mm. trauma, and yeah. I can't be a nurse anymore. Mm. Mm. You know, I don't, you know, not yeah. like, oh, I'm going to lose my career, but like, yeah. oh, what would that do to our finances? What would that do? It's an identity shift. Like, yeah. how would I handle that? So, mm. um, real, but maybe not as real as I might manipulate him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do like how you your your discussion of fears there sort of started spanning past marriage in some regards because at this point yeah. like things that affect you now affect him like what if i lose my job now that affects like your marital finances however you want to say yeah. that and so f- marriage i think does have the propensity to not activate new fears, but give a different light to the same fears. And so, um, thank you both for sharing your fears. I think that it does give us all space, myself included, uh, and anybody listening, it gives us space to be human with you guys. And so thanks for laying it out there on the table for us. Um, one closing question, um, just, yeah, as we close out, uh, on a more hopeful and yeah, not just ending with fear in this regard, but how, how has Jesus been present to you in your fears in that regard, either as a unit or just individually? I, I think we've been consistently shocked by uh, his provision mm-hmm. and his goodness. I, re- I remember Kaylee and I had, it was the worst fight that we'd ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had <laughs> we'd gotten engaged and we'd found a venue finally because mm. trying to get married during COVID is a legit nightmare. And so these things are starting to come together. And then we had this financial issue and we didn't know how to resolve it. Mm. Didn't know what we were going to do. We just didn't know what we were going to do. And it was, it was one of the worst fights because um, as fights do, they... They start to squirm and squirrel all over the place, and all of a sudden, we are in a, a landscape that we'd never been in before. So uh, we had that, and I remember we at the end we forced ourselves to pray for a minute. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, and the very next morning, um, my sister and brother-in-law mm-hmm. FaceTimed us. Mm-hmm. And said that uh, they wanted to support our marriage by giving us a thousand dollars for the mm. wedding. That was like the very next <laughs> wow. morning, you know. Yeah, There's just like yeah. stories like that all the time because things have gone so wrong, like all the time, so wrong. And then Jesus just stepping up and being like, "I got, no, I got this. I got this too. Yes, I got, I got this <laughs> as well." Uh, I think that's been extremely humbling to see that He's for us. Uh, to see that he believes in us, to see that he's fighting for us, and that we don't need to take ourselves so seriously Mm. or to take these problems so seriously, Um, while at the same time to be responsible. Yeah. uh, Kaylee helps me there. um, (laughs) Yeah. Just to be responsible, to actually look for Jesus as opposed to just make certain assumptions and and maybe apathetically move through uh, a situation that emotionally intimidates you. Um, so that's that's what comes to mind immediately, how Jesus has been discipling me and, and reshaping my soul. Mm-hmm. 
I think my answer to that is more, again, because I'm not married yet. I don't actually know what oneness is. I think it is more like mm. of an individual how, I guess, just uh, generally trusting Jesus that he has been faithful to me in my singleness. So if he is only ever all the time faithful, that is who he is, then I guess I can trust that he'll be faithful in my marriage. It'll mm. look different, but he'll be faithful in my marriage. Um, so I could list so many things. I think one, one of the most recent is work. Work has been really hard for me to find mm. Jesus there. I don't know that I still see him there very clearly. It's so kind of muddy there. Yeah. Where is Jesus in the emergency room? I don't know. Mm. Um, but I, I'm starting to see little threads. Um, and so I think with a thing like marriage, I, all right, I'm just going to continue to be faithful and be vigil- vigilant, vigilant and watching. Um, so I think just on past experience, I'm going to trust that moving forward. My, my imagination isn't very vivid, so I don't have a lot of imagination for what marriage will be like and then how to think about and ask Jesus, how will you be there? Yeah. But I think on past experience, I think that's what gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. So. Hmm. There's been a, an interesting kind of reorientation around, there's this kind of implicit fear that I've recognized inside of myself of, of every Christian is practicing marriage whether you're married to another human being or Mm. not we are practicing union but jesus uh is really really gentle um he lets us hide he lets us uh fail over and over and over again he lets us lie to him like all sorts of things um and he's got a really big self-esteem like he can handle (laughs) that stuff he doesn't have an identity crisis he doesn't become insecure uh, me doubting him doesn't make him doubt himself, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, Kaylee's not God, and I'm not God either. So all of a sudden, I start will expect the same kind of leniencies from Kaylee uh, that I get from God, and realizing how mm. poorly I treat him, you know, like I wouldn't ever be able to treat another human being the way I treat him. Yeah, uh, and expect them to still be in relationship with me uh and so that's been humbling and beautiful uh learning how to treat god better by learning how to actually treat kaylee well and i don't know how this will play out but i have the sneaking suspicion that marriage is difficult not necessarily because you have to love someone else but because you actually have to start loving yourself Mm -hmm. that someone else is dependent upon you being well because if you're not well, if you're not healthy, then you can't love properly. You can't be present to them. You can't hear them, listen to them. You can't get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, so learning how to take care of myself has been probably one of the biggest lessons during engagement hmm. uh, that I'm interested to see how that plays out uh, in union. Um, because I see such a such a vivid mirror reflection in my relationship with God. And so being able to cast forward doesn't take a whole lot of vision but from what i can see that's what i do see and that's how jesus has been discipling me discipling me and in preparation i I think that there's something of a road there yeah that's a good stopping point as any he is a good king um a good friend and he's with us in our marriages uh thank you guys again for sharing fears and excitements. I think I said this before, but I'll say it again. There really is a, yeah, there's a shared humanity when we talk about our fears together. And so 
If you guys enjoyed this podcast today and it was helpful for you, it made you feel more human, then mm. consider sharing it with a friend. Um, mm. Maybe, yeah, with a friend, any kind of friend in any sort of context. And maybe that'll foster more conversations where you guys can share your fears mm. and have good community and let Jesus be present to you in those fears. Uh, yeah, so if you liked it, then like it down below. <laughs> uh, share it, subscribe, and... Uh, I can't say that I'll be with you next time, but maybe I'll see you again. If not, thanks for being here.